Hello, everyone. You are tuned in to CK Huddle, the podcast that unpacks and simplifies complex money, accounting, and tax topics that impact the bottom line. I'm Ignatius L. Jackson, CPA, and my co-host is Eric Pierre, CPA. We are practicing CPAs with a knack for translating tax and accounting topics into a language that is easily understood. This podcast is for everyone, working professionals, household managers, retirees, business owners, professional athletes, boomerangs, college students, and yes, you. It's time to increase your money management IQ, so let's huddle up. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the CPA Huddle Podcast. My name is Ignatius L. Jackson, CPA, and I got my co-host here, Eric Pierre, CPA. Good afternoon. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, welcome to another lovely episode of the CPA Huddle. Okay, so today we're going to talk about cryptocurrency. You know, I as I've been preparing returns this year, I, I'm sure the same thing for you, Eric. I've been hearing or seeing a lot more uh, statements and things like that related to cryptocurrency transactions. And mm-hmm. it's just been blowing up uh, over this last year as is to be expected oh, yeah. because the value went up so high. I don't know. What are you seeing out there in terms of cryptocurrency, man? Well, I have a lot of, cl- well, most of my clients aren't really engaged in this, but, you know, we call it funny money. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it was funny, you know, today it's, uh, you know, we're recording this on April 10th, Saturday. Yesterday, I was, uh, I just want to give, give a shout out to Coindesk.tv for having on a, on their program to talk about crypto yesterday. And so we're going to expand on it today. So this is going to be a nice foundational discussion about crypto and the tax implications. It's not as complex as you think. So before you go working with a CPA that says that they specialize in this, you may want to listen because there's really not many crypto CPA specialists. That, that, now, what that means, they, that that's all they may do. The tax rules aren't that complex. As long as you're able to keep good documentation and also be honest, because the IRS, as you'll hear, they're starting to crack down on those of your digital wallets that are not saying anything. They will find you out. But the one thing that we cannot discuss is whether the coin wallet that you're using is secure or not. That's not what the purpose of the episode is. But please keep, uh, please protect your information as we've been hearing about a lot of theft as some of you all are mining it and starting to get into half a million, million dollars of it and, and you've tied your life savings to it and you're not protecting information, make sure you protect your information. But Ignatius, why don't you get started about, you know, Bitcoin, Ethereum, and whatever these things, you know, this funny money is, man. <laughs> funny money. I like that. <laughs> I like that. So, so yeah, you know, we're, like he said, the, the main point of this conversation today really is to kind of just touch on some of the tax implications of owning these virtual currencies. So Bitcoin's by far the most popular that's out there, right? But uh, there's a couple other fairly popular ones. I think Ethereum, Litecoin is another uh, popular one. And then there's hundreds, if not thousands of others that are just, you know, created, have been created and kind of in their infancy stages and, you know, growing in popularity uh, over time. So there's various places where you can go out there and actually invest in the Bitcoins or the Ethereum's or any other virtual currencies that you want to invest in. There's certain, you know, brokerages, if you want to call them that, where you can kind of go and and uh, trade the, the currencies and things of that nature. So, um, you know, definitely something to, to look into if you haven't yet. I do know there's a lot of people out there that are making tons of money off of this cryptocurrency stuff. 
And you know what's funny? I before I kind of get into this uh, tax story, I'll tell you a little bit about uh, a little story of mine. Yes. I, I had a client come to me probably when I first started my firm. Oh man, how long ago was that? Maybe seven years ago, six or seven years ago. Um, and uh, and they brought up the idea of doing cryptocurrency and wanted to know if I had any experience dealing with the taxes on cryptocurrency. I'm like, no, I have no idea what you're even talking about. I haven't, I hadn't even heard of it at that point. And so I started looking into it and I'm like, hmm, that's interesting. And I think at the time, it was probably maybe, I don't know, pennies. I don't even think it was really yeah. worth much of anything at the time that I first heard about it. And they're like, yeah, yeah, I bought like $1,000 worth. I think this thing's going to really blow up. You know, this is going to be the hottest thing ever. And I'm just like, you're so full of crap. I, no, no way. <laughs> um, so, yeah. of course, I didn't do anything with it, right? I'm kicking myself every day right now. I mean, and, and it's crazy. You, you hear about some of these ideals and things that come out. Um, and you know, you're in your mind, you're like, ah, oh, this can't be worth anything. Uh, like this is going to just somehow just die down or whatever. But, um, there was something else, uh, you know, over in, what was that thing over in, uh, it was a foreign country. I can't remember what it was. There's some kind of other currency or something that, uh, the dinar, dinar, I think is what it was. You ever hear about that? No. <laughs> yeah, there was something else about very similar where people were like buying dinar over in, um, I think maybe Dubai or somewhere. I can't remember where it was, somewhere over in another country. And so, you know, yeah, I mean, if, if could you imagine if you had put a thousand dollars in when this thing was only worth pennies? Oh, and now I know, man. It being worth 55 grand, you know, there, there's people that who are now millionaires because they invested early in this cryptocurrency stuff. And it's now worth, you know, millions of dollars. It's, it's pretty crazy. I know. I, f I feel like I missed out too. Cause you know, I had heard, I had heard about it, but I thought it was like, you know, when I, cause I didn't understand the whole blockchain thing. And, and it's like, it's controlled by an algorithm. I was like, Oh, I was like, no, no, no. I was like, no, no, no. I said, then somebody controls the algorithm and then started hearing the Winklevoss twins made, you know, a billion or some ridiculous the Facebook, you know, the guys that Zuckerberg stole Facebook from, you know, that he had to settle with. And uh, so I heard about it and I'm kicking myself. It's like, man, I could have been worth a few million now if I put away I know. a few thousand at a time here and there. You know, it, it could have, um, I may not be here today. So, oh, well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just hope that, you know, I, I hope that some of these people who were investing earlier are taking a little bit of it off the table, at least. Um, I hope so, and, too. You know, there's there's certain ways and strategies from a tax perspective to do that, right? You know, um, you, do you want to take it all off the table? I No, you probably don't because you're going to get creamed from a tax perspective. So I definitely think it's beneficial to work with an advisor to kind of plan on, Absolutely. you know, what you're doing with the, with the virtual currency that you might own, especially if you're sitting on any huge gains. I mean, there's people who just got invested last year that it still, you know, went what five times what it was towards the beginning yeah. of last year so if you invest in 200,000 you have a million dollar gain yeah 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 definitely so there, there's still a lot of people who are sitting on some pretty bad gains so and i'm going to tell you a way that you can avoid all those gains by investing a little more wisely um on a go forward basis but, oh oh yeah Oh, 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 you didn't you didn't know I was going to talk about that, did you? Oh, oh, hey, hey, don't give hey, don't give the whole story away, man. <laughs> Otherwise, you're not going to call us. Come on. 
Oh, come on. Yeah. No, they'll, they'll still call us because they, okay. they'll still need help. Um, <laughs> so so what is virtual currency? Let's maybe take a step back. What's, what's cryptocurrency? All right. Um, essentially, it's considered property. Okay. In the eyes of the IRS and in the eyes of the tax code, it's considered property. It's not considered an actual currency. Okay, so ordinarily, like if you trade money, like fiat currencies, for example, if you go and you take U.S. dollars and convert it to, let's say euros, all right, yeah. euros. Uh, so when you go convert currencies from U.S. dollars to euros, that is not a taxable event. You basically just, you know, converted money from one currency to another currency. That's not considered a taxable event. Okay, um, but when you convert fiat dollars, let's say US dollars, to crypto dollars, let's say Bitcoin, that is considered a taxable event, assuming that you're using a taxable account, okay? If you go from one virtual currency to another virtual currency, let's say Bitcoin to Ethereum, and you're trading between those, that's also considered a taxable event. That's correct. Yeah, yeah. And, and I just want to say real quick, a lot of people don't understand that, but it's not, but you have to remember, the. Um, as you said earlier, it's an asset. So if I hold Apple stock and I go trading it for Microsoft stock, that's also a taxable event. So, so you know, some of these rules, people are like, oh, you're just picking the crypto crowd. No, you're trading a real asset. Please understand that. But go ahead. Yep. No, you're absolutely right. Yeah. And, that, and this is the way that the IRS views this. And all the states have the same view is it is considered to be property. Okay, so when you go and you trade, you know, the cryptocurrency, uh, any any of them, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, etc., cetera, um, or Elon Musk's favorite, Dogecoin, uh, <laughs> those are all considered to be taxable events when you go and you trade between them. Or when you go from uh, the cryptocurrency to the fiat currency, like US dollars or whatever. So those are all considered to be taxable events, um, which can create complexities around uh, compliance and so there's certain you know software and stuff out there that you can go and use to actually help you to identify you know what your uh, the effects of it are but it's certainly going to be taxable events to you um and you know the irs actually created like you said at the beginning they are going after this hard so they created a question on your tax return if you haven't noticed it we're telling you here it's there <laughs> yep. Yes, it and is. If you haven't noticed it, you need to start reviewing your tax returns. I think we did this on the last episode. Review your darn tax returns, okay? <laughs> because it's, it's literally like right there underneath your name, okay? It's on the first page within the first few lines of your tax return. It's there. It says, "Have you invested?" There's some other words in there. Basically, have you invested, sold, bought, you know, etc. in cryptocurrency? So they want to know. Are you buying this stuff? Um, and if you are, um, guess what? They are going to start uh, potentially looking at some of your stuff and some of your activities. So they they know about they know about what you're doing. All right. Um, the the platforms that you're trading on have sent them data. They're trying to comply with the federal laws and everything like that. So these platforms are going to start you know reporting some stuff on you. So let's try not to skirt it too much. Yeah, guys, don't. Um, yeah, and see, and the part of the reason the IRS is cracking down because, unfortunately, 
you know, a lot of people out there do have good intentions, but cryptocurrency also has been used for money laundering. That gets the attention of the IRS, the FBI, and the Department of Justice. So if you're not reporting that you're at least purchasing, doing a buy and hold right now, the IRS will find out they're putting pressure on these platforms to comply with the law. And since you give them their information, they will end up turning your, your information in to the IRS. You know, I was listening to this lady. I was in the program with her yesterday. She was uh, complaining about it. And, oh, I'm going to say her name because she said it. So Meltem Demiors. Sorry if I misspelled mispronounced her name. But just understand that um, the government is doing it because in your in your industry, there's some really bad actors making millions of dollars and robbing the government. You know, we like to help people pay as little tax as possible, but it's not right to encourage shadowy behavior either. Um, so let me just, I was just, I just pulled it up on the IRS website. So I wanted to kind of clarify this question. So on your 1040, it asks whether at any time during 2020, you received, sold, sent, exchanged, or otherwise acquired any financial interest in any virtual currency. Okay. Now, the only really exception to answering yes to this question based on the FAQs on the IRS website is if your only transactions involved virtual currency during 2020 were purchases of virtual currency with real currency, basically fiat currency like US dollars, euros, et cetera, and to acquire Bitcoin or Ethereum or whatever it is, then you're not required to answer yes to that question. Any other activity, you're supposed to answer yes to that question is essentially what they're saying. So if your only transaction is taking fiat currency and acquiring uh, the virtual currency, whatever currency it is, then you're fine. But if you did any transactions where you're going between virtual currencies or you're taking virtual currency and putting it into US dollars or, you know, I don't know, I don't know what other else, other things you can get, like receiving free virtual currency from someone or getting paid from someone using virtual currency. Yes. All those sorts of things that all complicates your tax life. So, Oh, absolutely. Um, now where on your tax return do you report these items? You're going to report these on where Eric schedule D 8949 schedule D in 8949. Correct. You have to have both of those because the basis is usually not going to be reported to the IRS so given that they require you to basically attach the details um, to your taxes. So um, it's so when your preparer asks you, can you give me a list of all the cryptocurrency transactions and you say no, well, that's not going to fly. So we kind of need to know what the details are because we have Hold to on. attach no, it to your return. Right? Yeah, go ahead. All right. When you say it's not going to fly, it's not going to fly with the tax professionals that are willing to do the right way. Because again, we keep reading stories of tax professionals where it's the race to the bottom that won't do anything for business. If, you're, if your tax professionals say they're okay with you not giving a complete list of transactions, stay away from them because you're going to go down with them. Carry on. <laughs> so true. So true. Um, my goodness. Yeah. You're At the end of the day, you're responsible for your own tax returns. So yeah, review those, make sure you're, you're good with them. But yeah, so you report these on Schedule D in 8949. Um, 
I, I wouldn't, you know, I would definitely recommend just attaching the list, like a, if it's like a PDF of some sort to the tax return instead of putting everything on to the 8949. That's just how I usually will do it, unless you only have a small number of transactions, because that's kind of a waste of effort doing that. But like Eric said at the beginning as well, this is not something where a lot of people are specialized in this. Um, and it's not that difficult to report the stuff once you know what your activity is, right? So I don't know, have you seen any software out there, Eric, where people can use to kind of help them figure out um, what a, you know what activity they have that's reportable? Uh, I've not seen it because I don't have very many clients that deal in this space. I'm sure yeah. there's stuff out there. Um, but if nothing else, you know, ultimately the taxpayer is responsible and I think, I, and I've heard, so if I'm wrong, uh, you all can tweet at me and correct me. I think I've heard that some of the digital wallets are starting to do a better job of tracking your transactions for you. They can download into a CSV. So that's something that, you know, it may be done for, it may be done for them now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. There are, there are definitely some tax softwares that have been created to help you kind of manage and, and do this. So a couple examples uh, would be TaxBit. Um, I think they're actually doing a crowdfunding raise if I'm not mistaken as well. Um, another one's called Coinly. So there's definitely some, some tax softwares out there that will basically connect to all your accounts that you have um, and go through your activity and basically determine what taxable events you have. So, I mean, do your research obviously and, and figure out which one you trust and, and it makes sense for you, but you know, there's definitely some software out there that will help you to um, accurately figure this stuff out and, and do it in a manner that doesn't cost you an arm and a leg. Um, so definitely something to kind of look at and, and consider. Yeah, I definitely agree with you on that. Yeah, make and whatever you use, make sure that your information is, is secure. There's a lot of hacking uh, going on. We're not IT professionals. If you do need an IT professional, you can contact us and we can find some free that can help protect your information. Uh, with this kind of money in the line, there's going to be a lot of identity theft. Yep, definitely. All right. Um, let's see. What else do we want to talk about? Uh, I want to talk about NFT, okay? Uh, which okay. is the non-fungible non token. See, so you have to make sure they didn't curse. Um, so this is a new thing. And so if you, some of you have heard of NFTs, some of you haven't. So I don't know where you're on it, but an NFT is a non-fungible token where each token is unique and exists only with Ethereum, okay? It's the only coin it is associated with right now. And it's been used now to create unique things like digital art. In fact, this phenomenon is so hot now you have celebrities like Tom Brady, who just announced two days ago, he's creating an NFT company called Autograph. And there's a digital art, okay, of LeBron James dunking on a guy for the Sacramento Kings. You can Google that dunk, where the Sacramento Kings Center uh, acted like you want to take a charge and LeBron dunked on him, stared him down. That was made with NFT. That piece of artwork was sold digital art was sold for 208,000, which for me blows my mind because I can go YouTube watch it for free over and over again, but people are paying for digital art. That's hilarious. Yes. So, yes. 
something you can go and watch for free. You people are paying two hundred eight thousand wow. for right now. For uh, there, there's some similarities and differences in the taxation of the NFT. So here's um, now because for the creators, if you're creating this art. You are going to be taxed at the time you sell your NFT, just like an artist. So, if I created, if I had created the art of of the NFT of LeBron James, let's and I sold it for say ten thousand dollars or ten Ethereum, uh, the ten thousand dollars would be ordinary income, and so the ordinary income is going to be what it's valued in the U.S. fiat currency at the time of the sale. Now, if you're making this a trader business. I can deduct what we consider related business expenses to creating the art. Now that's going to be very subjective because you know, did you buy a computer just to create? You know, so those are things to work with your tax advisor. I was actually asked that on CoinDesk yesterday, and so I had to give the it depends answer because you know <laughs> there's so much out there, and I don't you know I just you just have everybody does things differently now. What is similar is that if you're in the speculative crowd, you know, a lot of the investors are speculating in it just like stock. So if I buy the um, the NFT and I sell it within less than a year, uh, I'm taxed ordinary income. If I um, hold it for a year and a day, now you're getting long-term current capital gain rates are either zero, 15 or 20%, depending on your income now the one thing to know and i mentioned this yesterday so nations maybe you want to maybe we'll talk about a little more but the irs under code section 408m2 the irs can treat nfts as collectibles so what does this mean if it's treated as a collectible instead of a regular asset your capital gain could be 28 percent instead of 20 how do you get to the 20% if you're single and if you have taxable income of 441,500 or more, then you're going to get hit to 28% tax potentially. And if you're married, a married father with income 496,000 or more taxable income, then you can, in the IRS deems that this is a collectible, you're subject to 28% tax. So this is where if you're getting engaged to the NFT, you really want to give it a tax professional because now you can buy it for, you know, for whatever, create art, make a lot of money. And now, you know, I mean, if you make, you know, if you're a single guy and you make three pieces of art that's all for 200,000, you're, you know, you want to make sure that it's considered you're actually selling it as a trade of business, not a collectible, or you're going to get hit uh, with extra taxes. So, Wow. Okay. Look at that. I learned something new today. I didn't actually yeah. know that. So that's good uh, information there, Eric, about that. I, wow. That's good. I, I know. NFTs. Uh, All right. I, I just started hearing about it and then I was asked to talk about it and I just knew it was a big, I did some research on it when I heard that Tom Brady, you know, created a company. I was like, wait a minute. Now celebrities are getting this. This is a lot of money. Let me, learn about this so you know when the just like celebrities now endorsing SPACs you know that there's a lot of there's money involved and of course the upside may be over because now the celebrities are getting involved uh and again ladies and gentlemen please do not take financial advice from a celebrity 
unless they have a, ta- <laughs> a tax or financial license. Please don't do that. I can't believe Odell Beckham is advising people on SPACs. Really? Odell- I love OBJ as a player, but let's just say his grades probably weren't that high at LSU, and he was probably focused more on football than finance. <laughs> just a thought. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing against you, OBJ. We just know you're not you're a football professional, not a finance professional. In case you hear me say this about you. Yeah, yeah. We, and we definitely talked about that in our last episode quite a bit as well. You know, make sure you get sound advice from people. Um, not your next door you neighbor, Lester CPA. Yeah. <laughs> but also keep in mind, you know, you the a lot of this stuff is new, right? And a lot of this has not been adjudicated through the tax courts. Um, you know, there's a lot of items that are going to eventually come through and, and, you know, although the IRS has these positions, I'm not aware of too many, you know, cases that have actually happened where, you know, people have fought against the IRS's position on some of this stuff. So, you know, there's could be some, some flexibility or some leeway on some of these things, but um, just kind of keep that in mind, you know, your professionals, the reason why we say it depends sometimes is just because sometimes we don't have a black and white answer. You know, I mean, we're, we're still learning about this stuff. Um, the IRS and others are still creating regulations and things in regards to these items. So, you know, as, as new stuff comes about, you just have to kind of take, take it slowly sometimes and, and kind of, you know, let them, let us do some research, find out exactly what's going on um, and to where we can, you know, best advise you. So, and do our yeah, due diligence. And you want to have a good relationship with tax, uh, tax professional. For instance, we'll give you unrelated topic, but just tell you how guidance is slow. Remember the IRS came out, said, uh, me, all, they said all meals were 100% deductible. Remember they said that? Not so fast. They issued guidance yesterday, three months after they said that, and say that she can only deduct that if you're basically eating at your facility or if you're like the uh, realtors doing the open house where they can do, they get the 100% deduction. But if you go, but they said if you go to a restaurant that it is not 100% deductible, still 50. So now we have to go, uh, you know, because the, the IRS, if you, you know, you saw, they, 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 just, they did say all meals 100%. And then yesterday they changed their mind. You know, we found the notice through accounting today. So now we have to notify our clients that we previously told and we have to let them know the IRS was silent about restaurants, which is ridiculous considering what the pandemic what is. Hold on, let me, let me just yeah. clarify what you're saying here. You're, you're telling me if you go to a restaurant and eat at a restaurant, it's not 100% deductible? No, they said in the guidance. You want me to read it to you? Here, hold on. Uh, I'm going to have to go look this up. I actually hold, hold, did not get on. around no, to no, reading no, no, that no. yet. We're, we're going to address this right, right here, right now. <laughs> Uh, hold on. Wow. All right. I, I might have to do some reading on that one because that uh, that surprises me. But here, um, Journal of Accountancy, April eighth, the temporary hundred percent deduction. Okay. The notice is that any employer may not treat as a restaurant for purposes any eating facility located. On the employer's business presence, use furnishing meals excluded from employees' gross income under Section 119. 
Actually, let me go back. Let me read this. this. Under the notice, the term restaurant means a business that prepares and sells food or beverages to retail customers for media consumption, regardless of whether food or beverages are consumed on the business premises. A restaurant does not include, does not include a business that primarily sells prepackaged food or beverages not for immediate consumption, including a grocery store, specialty food store, beer, wine, or liquor store, drug store, convenience store, newsstand. We don't really have those in the South. Or vending machine or kiosk. The 50% limitation continues to apply to the amount of any deduction otherwise liable to the taxpayer for any expense paid or incurred for food or beverages acquired from those type of businesses, unless another exception unless another exception in section 274 the irs said nothing about this until so the way i read that though is restaurants are 100 percent deductible which what you just read yeah if so you if you go to a restaurant that serves food in in alcohol whatever deductible. that is still 100 percent deductible right is but then if they bring it to your but if they bring it to your business it's 50 percent. if you go to a grocery store yeah. So the way I'm taking it is whether you eat it on the on the restaurant's premises or not, or your premises you got it from the restaurant. So you have to get it from what's qualified as a restaurant. Yes, then it's 100 okay. deductible. But you there can't you go. go to the grocery store and go get lunch like a Sprouts or that does the or, the or H-E-B lunch or, where I get where yeah. that salad bar. That's 50. Yeah. That's still 50. percent That's the way I'm taking that. Okay, I think so. I think you're right, but. But okay. I'm just saying this is why it's important to get talk to yes. tax professional because the IRS is so behind on guidance and um but yes please support your local restaurants yeah. regardless yeah, of the production no. please please do I mean we, we still need those places to eat and relax and you know do that. And all along I was actually I, I didn't hear what that the IRS said all meals, but I I'll take your word for that. I initially I, I never told anybody that because I was like, there's no, that's not what it says. It says restaurants. So to me, that means a facility, just like they said in this guidance, that basically primarily serves food and you know, alcohol to the public. That's a restaurant. But, but that's most of my clients, what we tell them meals, it's implied yeah. the restaurant meals, the right. DoorDash, you know. Yeah. Um, well, DoorDash picks up the food from a restaurant, right? So it's going to be hundred percent, though. You're I buying. I think that's hundred percent. Yeah, they're yeah they're a third party intermediary. Yeah. yeah. So just because you don't actually eat it on the premises, I think you're still fine. And this this just goes to show you, folks, we're still figuring a lot of stuff out. So yeah, we're, he, we're like sorry said, if we stopped. Just came out Even we can't always agree, but. <laughs> so so yeah, it's it's one of those things. It's a gray area. Um, and again, this is just the IRS's stance, by the way. If you don't know how the tax law works, the IRS doesn't actually create law. They just try to create regulations and things to guide you through the law. But technically, you could go, if you really wanted to, and argue this in a tax court and potentially win, you know, if you, know, you don't like the IRS's position on something. And so there, there's cases where people do this all the time, and occasionally they'll win. Um, and so the IRS tends to have a very stringent view on things uh, <laughs> and there's, there's definitely cases where the law doesn't support their views sometimes. So, but until we see some cases actually getting adjudicated through the tax courts, this is kind of the best guidance that we have for you is 
you know, stick to a, a, an actual facility that's deemed a restaurant, typically speaking, right. and you should be fine. So, yeah. And by the way, speaking of adjudicated cases, you know, for cryptocurrency, we talked about today, it's going to be a while because, you know, when it goes to court, these things take a while. We're probably not going to know, honestly, what the hard and fast rules, particularly for something like NFT, where if you go on Twitter, you know, we're, we're going back. If I had a CPA said that, you know, we have to decide, you know, is it really a collectible or an asset? Now, I think it's an asset. Um, I don't like that you can treat it as a collectible. I think that's uh, a little overreach personally, uh, Uncle Sam, but I don't make the rules. And I think someday someone's going to challenge the IRS in court and probably beat them and probably can prove yeah. how it's used as an asset because it's, oh, tied to a specific, it's tied to a coin that's taxed as an asset, which is Ethereum. So, but then all of a sudden you're gonna tax it differently. I think somebody that's really intelligent, that's got the that's got the money and the time to challenge them, is gonna beat the brakes off these guys in a few years. So be on the lookout for that. They're gonna get beaten over that. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, all right. Anything else you wanted to touch on on the NFTs or? You good? No, you but uh, just want to say thank you again to CoinDesk.tv for having me on. Uh, yesterday was uh, fun. You know, that one lady I talked about, if you, you go on the page, man, she, she had a lot of interesting things to say uh, about the industry and, uh, you know, but I'll keep the rest of my opinions to myself because uh, <laughs> I was disappointed. The one I will say this one thing I was disappointed, the network posted a tweet. She was talking about how Coinbase's IPO could help make female uh more female millionaire bill or something along the line. I don't remember exact tweet. But then she was reminded of Coinbase's scandal with the uh, people of color. And all of a sudden she says, well, I don't work in Coinbase and I can't really talk about it. Blah, 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 blah. So what? So uh, I want to know what it, what it is. I mean, do you, do you not want to see people of color wealthy or not? But you're glad to talk about it when it's convenient for you. But you know, as financial professionals, whether you're a CPA or your investors, like that lady, we we are we're supposed to be here to help see everybody win, regardless of color or creed. That statement was really bothersome. I, I don't know if she hear it or not. I would love to do a one-on-one interview with her on, on a live stream and call her out on it because that was not cool. I was really disappointed <laughs> about wow. that. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So kind of wrapping up, um, I just wanted to kind of say one thing. So there is IRS FAQs. So IRS has a page of FAQs on cryptocurrencies and virtual currencies. It's 46 questions. Obviously, we don't have time to go through all those with you today. But if you're questioning whether something that you're doing related to virtual currency or cryptocurrency is a taxable event or transaction, they have a lot of actual examples on this list here. And again, 46 questions in total. It goes through, explains to you how they treat it, how they tax it, how to report on it, etc. So definitely, at least I would recommend go and look at that page if you're doing anything with cryptocurrencies, just mm -hmm. so you understand and know what's going on with it. Okay, um, so that's something that I would highly recommend. And then the last thing I wanted to kind of touch on is what I talked about at the beginning. How can you do this and potentially avoid having to deal with any taxes? Well, oh. here's the key. All right. Uh -oh. It's actually pretty simple. Do it inside of a retirement account. 
It's, oh. it's just that simple. Oh, just that simple. Oh, my drop, my drop. <laughs> Bam. All right. So a lot of us have money sitting in retirement accounts. All right. And we're going to do another episode on this a little bit deeper because this is a hot topic for me that I really love. And I'm really near and dear to my heart because this is how we can really build some some great wealth and bridge the wealth gap that's in this country is by us investing a little bit smarter with our dollars. Um, but you can basically do a lot of this inside of your retirement account and not pay any taxes on it. Okay. Especially if you use a Roth IRA or a Roth 401k through your business, you can easily do this. Um, you just have to make sure that you have the right type of account. Okay. You have to have a self-directed retirement account where it gives you the control to do and pick and do what you want to do with your funds. Um, and there's certain processes and ways that you would go through and create that account to where you can avoid having to pay any taxes on it, either deferring it if it's a taxable retirement account, like a traditional IRA or a, a traditional 401k, or potentially not have to pay any taxes at all on your investment gains if it's inside of a Roth IRA or a Roth 401k. So those are just some things that I'm going to throw out there as something to consider. If you really want to save money on taxes, that's a way you can do it. Now, I'm not going to go into all the details of how you do that on this particular show because we're already kind of deep into it. And plus, you know, we're here to answer those questions for you. If you need help with it, you know, Eric and I both can kind of yeah. help you guide you through that process of creating up an account like that. But that's definitely something to think about and consider uh, especially since you have funds, you know, in these accounts anyways, um, maybe taking some of it and putting it to the crypto markets. You know, that that that's a great idea because, you know, there's different things, whether you can set up a Roth or something like an IRA or whatever and not deal with it till retirement. And then there's so many, I mean, you know, nations, I look forward to talking that with you uh, and, you know, hearing you, you're kind of been one of the few that I know tax Twitter has been taking the lead uh on something like this and that's something that we don't think about is what retirement we think we're gonna work forever or and live forever and you know and then you can even set these things up to do you know estate planning and asset protection there's just so many things yep. out there that we don't think about and so we look forward to the episode and we may have to bring on and uh you know in our firm we have uh, an accomplished estate planner greg wilder that, you know, that we're in a JV with on, you know, employee retention credit engagements, which we will talk about the employee retention credit another day, not today. And also, you know, for our high net worth uh, clients, uh, you know, he's worked with 15 Fortune 400 families and there's strategies to which, you know, particularly if you're getting the cryptocurrency and you make enough, because one thing you want to consider, if the federal government lowers the estate tax threshold to 3.5 million, there's a lot of people in this space that now have a taxable state and you need to look at how to protect that. And we have the tools to help you protect that and avoid paying 40 or what they're proposing 50% above the, you know, the current estate threshold is 11.7 million. But if it's over 3.5 million, now we have a lot of people in this space that don't, that have a taxable state in that digital wallet. And they have no clue. Yeah. Know. I'm hoping they don't get that done. I hope they don't do it either. I think it's, I yeah. think it's ridiculous to, you know, yeah. with the with what money costs today to, to have an estate of 3.5 million, uh, when that yeah. was 
that, that was that way like 15 years ago 3.5 million 15 years ago is probably about 12 million today why would you exactly yeah but anyway let's not get into the political policy that's that was for another day <laughs> um and i just thought of one other thing i just wanted to mention that we haven't touched on mining all right have you heard about this eric mining i i've heard about mining I almost okay uh, did you know I almost I almost became a miner I'm actually considering doing it myself, actually. So yeah. one thing I'll say about mining, all right, it is different than what we've been talking about for this whole show. All right. It, if you do mining, what essentially what mining is, is basically you have a server room or a, a server, mm-hmm. essentially, that provides services to people who are trading the cryptocurrencies, the virtual currencies. And as a part of providing those services the various exchanges out there will pay you a fee. Okay. Based on how many, however many transactions you do on a monthly basis or whatnot. Now, since you're providing services, that's a completely different ball game. That's actually considered a business. All right. So yeah. it's considered active income. It's subject to self-employment tax and it's, it would go on to like a schedule C or an 1120S or an 1120 or whatever form of nature you want to, create this uh mining structure in you know what maybe we should partner up and actually do some mining between the two of us actually just i i, I do like, I, I did not well thought about that i i know but i want to mine somewhere where the electricity costs aren't that high you know out here in, in texas where i'm sitting today or in california those electricity yeah. costs are, are just that's a good point. but that's a good point. i would love to get the five thousand dollars start you know the servers yeah. were five grand that's it it's all i need anyway as I digress, <laughs> as I digress, let me get back to my point. Okay, so so if you're doing mining, yeah, you, you definitely, it, it's considered services. So if you do mining inside of your retirement account as well, just an FY, that is not going to be tax-free. So you do have to actually pay taxes on mining services inside. Your, if you use your retirement account, it's called uh, U, UBIT tax, okay? Um, unrelated business income tax, you have to pay that if it's done inside of your retirement account. So that's one thing I just wanted to caveat out, out there, um, just so everybody understands the difference between mining and just your typical buying, holding cryptocurrency, uh, putting it onto the keys and all that kind of stuff. It's completely different when you're doing mining because that's an actual service. Okay. So just kind of keep that in mind. It's the last thing I wanted to touch on and bring up. Anything else we need to talk about before we end the show, Eric? No, I think I think you got it. You know, but, but the mining thing, uh, if you are mining, you have to report as regular income. So you should set up a business, at least set up a business income so you all your tax, man. That's uh, wow. And you do have a lot of write-offs with the, you know, with the equipment. You know, there's yep. a lot of there's a lot of tools you can buy. You can immediately write off for the, either the section one seventy nine or the or one sixty three. You know, for the really expensive stuff, and then the safe harbor rules on uh you know what does not have to be capitalized immediately so there's a lot of opportunity to lower your taxable income for your from your equipment so it, yeah it may not be as bad as you think but do it the right way do it the right way i like it all right well thanks everybody for tuning in to cpa huddle this week this has been an episode about cryptocurrency hopefully you enjoyed it um don't, for, don't forget to like subscribe follow us etc etc all that good stuff. We really want to grow the show um, and listen in week after week. We'll have more exciting topics coming up. Um, like he said, employee retention tax credit. We'll probably talk about self-directed retirement accounts and some other stuff, you know, on upcoming episodes. So stay yes. tuned. Yes. We're going to start bringing some powerful guests. And lastly, please 
Leave us a five-star review. Otherwise, we think you are a hater. (laughs) All right. All right. Thanks, everybody, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to CPA Huddle. Add us to your listening rotation by subscribing wherever you get your podcast. Follow CPA Huddle across social media platforms. And for more information about the services provided by our respective firms, please check us out at www.iljcpa.com and www.pierreaccounting.com. We will be back to huddle up soon.